0: Hi I'm Lippy
1: and I'm Grumpy together with Lippy and Grumpy do podcasting.
0: This week lots of listener feedback, toilet twinning, job interviews, the joy of Monopoly and I have a bone to pick.
1: So Lippy we've had a fair bit of feedback this week. We really have this week. Yes, it's, it's quite encouraging. Mm. Uh, we do read all of it. We obviously can't include all of it. Otherwise, our podcast would be, well, hours, times and that, hours. Yeah, <laughs> hours and Hours and hours. Nobody really wants hours and hours of us droning on. So thank you. We do appreciate it. And if we don't read it out, then uh, well, it's just tough, really. <laughs> so, we, as ever, we've had a, an email from Davros, uh, the voice of Scarrow he starts mm. the email with. it uh, goes on uh, some sort of explanation about the uh, cottage cheese sandwich, which is best left, quite frankly, unread.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Unspoken. Uh, he does admit to having problems cooking shepherd's pie. Oh. Cottage mm. pie, depending on obviously which meat goes in it. The potato always sinks to the filling, which yeah. I can't remember whether I've had that problem or not. Uh, I have to say, I do tend to cook the mince first and let it go cold before putting the potato on. So maybe that has uh, that has an effect. Or maybe you're not using enough mince. Too maybe, much liquid. Yes, Yeah. too much liquid. Yeah, stop being so stingy putting mm. put, put more His mince in. His potatoes
0: aren't light and fluffy.
1: Possibly not Heavy Maris Pipers Instead of Fluffy Something else Yes <laughs> really potato. Oh King Edwards That's the other one uh, He then goes on To talk about festive films um, Really doesn't do them So he's got no. a list of films he, I was a bit shocked He does mention Hans Gruber though But in a mm. different guise That of Alo uh, Hello, Hello Which is a series That you probably Have never seen
0: I've not seen it I have heard of it
1: It is spectacularly funny Actually Mm. Uh, I have to say it was from I think it was the eighties, eighties or early nineties. It was out and it was very, very funny. Uh, There's some uh, stereotypical characters in there that you probably couldn't make anymore. But, <laughs> so, <laughs> there is a group in there, but it's not that one. It's a different one. Oh, no. And Orange Marshall One also got in contact with me.
0: He did, and um, we have the same favourite dessert.
1: Yes, I completely forgotten about. Uh, banoffee pie Me which has got too. bananas and i do
0: quite like that i love banoffee pie i would pick that out of the majority of things most times
1: yeah the advantage of banoffee pies it's mostly homemade i feel mm. uh they, they yeah. tend to be tend to be quite nice also a fan of the cheese sandwich yes but not zucchini and avocados for some reason but they
0: no I, they make you sick
1: <laughs> well yes. in my case they, well, anyway they do. yes yes <laughs> yes absolutely uh, a good point, yeah, though, good about uh, not showing your guests a picture of what you've cooked in terms of from the recipe book. So that that, that is a top yeah. tip.
0: Yeah, frankly. don't do that.
1: Don't do that. Don't do that. And it has a similar sort of um, Christmas film list as as we have, although it does claim to watch The Wonderful Life every year. But, uh, yes. No. And I had a brief cons- conversation with Orange Marshall 2, who was attempting to try... A black pudding and sausage roll from our mm. local butchers and uh, every time he goes in they're sold out uh,
0: oh.
1: i accidentally fell in there on saturday and ended up buying two sausage rolls so that was saturday wiped out for him i don't think they cook that many so,
0: no uh, i can imagine they go quite quickly when they do
1: go but you've got to time it right because they they are freshly baked these were freshly baked and obviously if you go very early on then they're not going to be there if you go late then i've been mm. so,
0: yeah <laughs> then they're gone <laughs> so, anyway <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Uh, the other thing from last week was we discussed whether Die Hard was a Christmas movie or not. Mm. And the Radio Times offered some insight into why it is definitely a Christmas movie.
0: Go on And
1: then. their basis is, if you remove Christmas from the story, does it work? Ah. And it does not, because they were having a late night party in the Nakatomi Towers. Obviously, this is difficult, as you've not seen the film. Yeah. Also they chose it because there was not much in the way of stuff going on as well. Uh, Mm. Um part of the part of the heist. So if you take all of that away, the story doesn't really work.
0: Oh. So applying that logic, Mm -hmm. home alone is not a Christmas film. Correct. Although no it's not, because I was gonna say they wouldn't be robbing the whole street that is more likely to happen at Christmas because a lot of people do go away at Christmas. But he could have been left on his own. They could have just gone on a normal holiday.
1: That is possible.
0: And he was left. But there wouldn't have been as many of them. But it still would have made sense.
1: Yes, if you apply that logic, then you're correct. Home Alone is not a Christmas film.
0: There's going to be a lot of angry comments when us saying that Home Alone isn't a Christmas film.
1: No, it is filmed at... it's. Filmed at Christmas rather than mm. a Christmas film, but uh, yes, bring it on. So I have a few notable events from the for the week. There was quite a lot uh, going on here. So we had another Boeing seven four seven from British Airways land at Dunsfall Park. We did actually manage to capture it, and mm. I've even got it on. Well, not on film, but on a SD card just about mm. managed to capture it as it went over the, uh, the house. So I'll, I'll pop that on uh, Instagram and other, other things. So that was quite exciting. Yeah. Unfortunately, it landed at the other end. It landed at the Dunsfold end, so we didn't see so much of the approach, which was a bit of a shame. Oh. But um, mm. hey-ho. Uh, Davros has been busy. There's new Daleks uh, mm-hmm. for the Christmas special, presumably, uh, with lots of new blue lights on it. But um, having thought about this, it does look a bit like an aftermarket stereo you get in a car park cruiser car. So when they used to have car club meets at um, the car park at uh, Woodbridge in mm. Guildford, yes. you, you get hi-fives in there or car stereos in there with lots of blue flashing lights in there. And it, look, it does look a bit like that. So <laughs> almost certainly that would have angered Davros. So um, yeah. I would imagine a bit of flaming going on. And I came across a very odd thing called toilet twinning. Yeah, when I read that, I was like, what on earth is Yeah, toilet is bit, twinning? Yeah, it's brilliant, though, because you have to have a look and find out what it's about. And yeah. essentially, it's a charity that takes a donation of, I think, £60, and then you can twin your toilet with another toilet in a third world country. So it's a, it's a way of getting some, some money to places that have very poor sanitation. So oh. really, very good idea. And I, I think I'll be twinning one of our toilets
0: Mm, Um, a very good
1: um, name it is a really clever name Mm, it's very very intriguing yeah absolutely very impressed with the whole thing so uh, yes look forward to a picture of a uh, toilet from third world country hanging up in the downstairs loo in the near future (laughs) so that'll go down well
0: i've seen a toilet when i went to Tanzania. it's not a pretty sight
1: (laughs) no no most of them seem to be made of corrugated iron and timber so, uh, mm. yes well, the
0: we'll, service ones that I went to oh my god I don't think I actually weed in the end I think I went behind a bush because it was the toilet yeah. itself was scarier than a bush
1: yeah you wouldn't want to fall in so I saw of the French ones where I've uh, yeah <laughs> yes yeah, so you end up removing your trousers because you don't want the car keys falling down. The, uh, <laughs> Yes, the hole in the middle. Hey, and I, I think we may be covering Christmas cards again in a minute. Um, but so we had the first few through the door this week. Mm. Uh, my cousin yes. is normally the first, but she was a couple of days late. So, uh, yes, yeah, mm. not on the not on the top. But she did put a very nice message in the card. So keep up the podcasting.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Very nice. So I sent yeah. her one of my uh, slightly oddly purchased lippy and grumpy beer mats that are <laughs> paper. Paper, well they're microns thin, I've never seen anything quite like it And mm. unfortunately I've got 500 of them So um, yes that'll take a while to go So yes. while we're talking about Christmas cards Why don't you have your bone rent?
0: Well we received two Christmas cards today Super excited One of them had my name on and one of them had mine and Chris's name on So I was like I'll open the one with just my name on it You open the other one So I opened mine, very lovely Thank you cousin Emily she, uh, the frozen camper sent across a card for us. Um, then I look over at Chris, who has glitter everywhere. Everywhere? Yes. It had all fallen off the card. It was everywhere. And then we open the card thinking, oh, this is so annoying. We literally spoke about this on the podcast a few weeks ago. <sighs> thinking, oh, it might be an auntie or someone. No, it
1: was from you. It was for me, so uh, so I'm assuming that's thank you.
0: But yeah, thank you for the lovely Christmas card.
1: Yes, in my defence,
0: mm. they
1: were purchased last January. I did <laughs> in, in a two thirds off sale.
0: Yeah, because it was also the weirdest picture on the front of the card. I thought they were quite nice. It was super cute, but I feel like you need to have given it to someone with a terrier.
1: Well, I gave it to somebody with a car. <laughs> Good point. Good point. The, mm.
0: the Christmas card for those who cannot see is a car with two terriers in it, with some tartan hats and gloves, and then glitter covering the whole front. Which then my partner decided to rub on my face.
1: Excellent, good. Well, I think a picture of the card on Instagrams mm. called for.
0: I'm very disappointed.
1: Oh dear. Oh well. Never
0: and you, just you wait because I'm going to get you back for that. Oh really? Yes.
1: But you don't. You know think my a address. glitter
0: card? I do know your address.
1: <laughs> oh, you know where I live. You don't know the address.
0: Yeah, of course I do. It's the, still the address I have on my driver's license. Oh, good That's a lie. I changed that the other day.
1: Anyway, message to the frozen camper who's listening to this one. No mm. chance of you getting a card from Lawrence. No idea where you live.
0: God no. <laughs> I'll bring it. I'll bring one on Christmas. And <laughs>
1: Excellent. Uh, the other thing that I uh, was tipped off by Orange Marshall One is Phyllis Tuckwell Hospice, which covers mm. uh, this area and also sort of to the west of Guildford, I would guess, up towards uh, Farnborough, Farnham, that sort of area. Mm. So they've got a number of Christmas light trails that they they've got sort of popped on a oh, map nice. where there's houses like good in,
0: houses. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. And most of them are, are sort of in that Farnham, Farnborough triangle. Mm. Uh, around the Blackwater Valley route, uh, rather than over towards Guildford But obviously, they're they're trying to raise money. Uh, they cover a massive area. There's very yeah. a few hospices in this area, um, we so well worth about. well worth supporting. Oh, uh, we may have to go and
0: have a little looking.
1: So. Yes, but well, there's a map on the website. You can print off and then sort Carver, of have a bit late of a night meander drive. around and, and cause all sorts of traffic mayhem by stopping <laughs> in the middle of the road. No doubt.
0: Oh, I love to cause a bit of traffic mayhem.
1: Indeed, yes. So, in your last week of uh, not working, is there any notable events?
0: I've really taken this week as a holiday
1: week. What as opposed to all the others?
0: Yes. I think, well, once I got the job, I was like, okay, I don't need to I can do whatever I want every day. I don't need to look for a job. I can just chill, play games, watch films, do my sewing, just chill. Um, and then but in the back of my head, I was like, they may contact me being like, well, in 24 hours, you're going to work. So i got to thinking like, well, this could be my last day off, but it might not be my last day off. And then they emailed me with a week's notice <laughs> before I started, which is lovely. That's so nice. uh, this has really been holiday because I know I don't have to worry about work um but no i'm not really my partner's off today because he had to go to the hospital and take some swabs so we had a fun day we went to the shops to buy a few last minute christmasy things oh and i found out about this really awesome tree place in london it's london christmas trees they this year and for more now are doing a rented christmas tree
1: oh well, that's a good idea
0: yeah so you rent the christmas tree in the pot Then when it comes to January, they come and take it back from you, look after it, replant it back into a bigger pot and things that we, most people, probably should do but don't do, if you do buy a pottage Christmas tree, that is. And then each year, you can ask for the same tree back so you can keep having your tree as it grows, and then once it reaches seven foot, they plant it in a forest.
1: What a great idea. I do remember vaguely hearing about that a couple of years ago, mm. so I'm really pleased that's carried on.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really, really good idea because people love real Christmas trees, but they are such a waste of tree.
1: They, they, Yes, they are, although they don't... Well, I suppose the one with the roots is the whole tree, isn't it? Yeah. Some friends of ours who live up towards Oxford planted a tree, I believe, about 10 years ago in their front garden that hmm. they, they bought. So it was a normal-sized tree for indoors. It now reaches the top of the house so it blocks out the light for the front of the house quite significantly but they they've just put the lights on it and it's it is like something out of national lampoon to be honest Mm -hmm. it's this enormous great trick you can
0: see it from space
1: (laughs) thing is you can't now chop it down it is now a local land point land, yeah, landmark but. that's the word landmark. i think it's worth just pointing out you're talking about uh, your partner and having swabs that he is going in for a knee operation it's oh, not yeah, not it's not some, just, yeah. no I, I realized when i was editing the formula one accident piece last week mm. that we didn't actually mention formula one for five minutes <laughs> And, oh and the problem is, because we have a conversation beforehand about what we're going to talk about, you tend to forget.
0: To name the subject. Name, yes,
1: so so note for the future. Ta- mention what you're talking about in the first couple of seconds, not five minutes in.
0: <laughs> Especially when it's something bad.
1: <laughs> well, yes. So Libby, job interviews. I've probably had a lot more than you.
0: I would say so. I haven't had too many in my time of jobs to be honest i haven't had that many different jobs
1: no you haven't actually.
0: i tended i've tended to, tend to stay with a company and kind of work my way up a little bit um yeah the one of my ones i had a, a ski season and the interview for that was done over zoom all those many years ago in oh, i think it was how am i oh god it was like four or five years I, ago it now. would have been
1: skype wouldn't it oh yeah and it was zoom,
0: over skype sure yeah zoom
1: existed back then mm.
0: and during the skype call the, the lady interviewing Me pipes up that she lives down the road. This is when I was still living at home. So she lives in the village next to us. I was like, oh my God, didn't really research the company enough at that age, obviously, to, I should have probably known that, but oh well. And then chimes in saying... I've actually come to where you work now to see what your customer service skills are like. Oh, really? And there's me like, I don't recognise her. What have I said? What have I done? I was like, oh, please pray I was out back while she was shopping there. But apparently she used to come to where I worked a lot. So it wasn't weird. It wasn't like she specifically came. She just kept an eye out for me when she was there to check my customer service, what I was kind of like, front of house, but... I, I definitely had a moment of, oh my god, I've got a stalker.
1: <laughs> Maybe she did the full secret shopper, and came in disguise.
0: Maybe she's got amazing blonde curly hair, so I feel like I would have clocked nice. her if I. Had, you, can,
1: but... you can wig that up. Mm. Wig yeah, in a no, hat, no, do you? And a bit of a moustache, then... mm.
0: So that's probably the weirdest thing that was said to me. Said to me in an interview. Um, the most disheartening thing that was ever said to me in an interview is basically being told that I wasn't good enough for the job I was interviewing for, but I would have been good for my wedding job, which I eventually got with them. But I was sat down and and she said to me, I think you'd be a lot better at weddings than corporate. And I sat in the interview like, yeah, to be." I agree, to be honest with you. And then obviously got a call to say I hadn't got the corporate job because she had basically told me that in the interview anyway. And I was like, oh no. And then three months later she rang me to tell me that they had a wedding position open if I wanted to come in and have another interview for it.
1: Yes, I had one of those interviews. I saw Mm. an advert for a compliance job or sort of an auditing type job on Mm. computer systems. So you have a real dig around in the data and find some inconsistencies. And there wasn't much in the terms of requirements for this. I thought, oh, I'll apply and see what happens. So Applied and went for the interview, and they started asking these questions. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, I have no idea whatsoever. <laughs> and he, he said, um, so do you think you're qualified for this job? And I went, frankly, no. <laughs> so I don't, I, I, it's no. really, really interesting, but I, I think I think I may not be. He went, no, he said, I don't think so either. He said, so um, let, let's spend the rest of the time just chatting about a couple of things that we do. And it was really interesting, <laughs> the way they pull through data and pick out... Um, and mistakes and nefarious activities but i've had you know this is my 40th year of bluffing my way through software development so i've had a few interviews and that included good few years of contracting so you would mm, go through a periods. lot of interviews well you go through periods where you only you only work for three months on something and then you're, you're off looking for something else again yeah. so was, there was lots and lots and lots of that and I, I did have some very odd experiences i had the no interview job where I got the job without an interview, and a friend of mine was working there and he'd recommended me. Yeah. Well, I phoned the agency to say, When am I going to get the interview? And they said, Oh, no, they phoned you can start on Monday. But I haven't had an interview. No, no, that's no, fine. Just just turn up. <laughs> Are you sure. And... Um, Yeah, I did. I was there for two and a half years, so it's obviously managed to bluff my way through that one.
0: Crazy.
1: Yeah, and then there was the interview with no questions or very few questions, which turned out to be an absolute nightmare. And uh, that I I think if you go somewhere and they're not asking very much, then run away Hmm. because they're yeah something not right there.
0: My interview for the job that I've just got was about five or six questions. The whole interview took about fifteen minutes.
1: Yeah, but you had a massive questionnaire to fill in, didn't you?
0: I did. Yeah, the actual application. Yeah, it was a very long application. Actually, yeah. you are right. So they learn a lot. Of, it's more about just hearing me speak and seeing what I'm like as a person, I guess, for that one. but
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in this case, it would have been a, what, quite a short CV because that was in the 80s. So mm-hmm. there wasn't that much on it. Um, and that would have been it plus the interview. So I, I've been on the other side of interviewing as well, which is just as unpleasant to be honest. Strangely,
0: I I have two at my young age of 24.
1: And what was your experience of that?
0: I hated it. (laughs) I just want to be nice and, like, not have to ask horrible questions. And especially when they start blundering, I'm like, oh, you shouldn't have said that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've had a a few of those. I had one guy, uh, he was coming for a contract position when I was permanent. Uh, The agency phoned me up and said, "Um, we just need to tell you about this chap. He's a little unconventional. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, his dress is, and his appearance is a bit odd. Oh, God. <laughs> and I can only describe him as looking like the great Gonzo from The Muppets. He, he was a very, very free individual, let's put it that way. And he was, but he was brilliant, so got on really well, mm. perfectly qualified for it, um, started, and, and yeah, he was superb. But, Wasn't as uh,
0: weird
1: as he dressed. Uh, he, yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> but he,
0: yeah,
1: but he, yeah, he was good at what he did, and um, he didn't drive, which was interesting. So he would he would appear in the morning in a taxi, which was a bit God. extravagant, but yeah. um, contract rates in the eighties mm. pretty good, pretty good indeed. And one of the other things I've I've done for the developers is a very simple programming test. And this is on the basis that sometimes you go, and they ask really odd questions, really, you know, stuff that you just don't need to know on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, and the chap that came up with this reckoned that you could separate the wheat from the chaff with just a very simple programming test. Mm. And so I tried it for one um, set of interviews, and it was incredible. The, uh, some people just couldn't do it. And the, the one guy that that did it really well has turned out to be brilliant.
0: Yeah, they still do that. Um, my partner works, he's a recruiter in, in IT and tech, um, data science, sorry. I think that's the proper term for it. Um, but yeah, they, he always, I always hear him saying, oh, it's just a 15 minute test, it's not hard, it's quite simple. But yeah, I think I don't think people like doing them these days by the sounds of it, though.
1: Well, it, it's difficult with so much technology and so many different ways to do it. Mm. Yeah, I look on my bookshelf and I've got a book from the 80s which cover cobalt and it's six millimetres thick. Oh. And yet the one I've got for databases, or well, one particular database, is about eight centimetres thick.
0: Oh, and I love a database. Here you now? <laughs> yeah. And a spreadsheet.
1: <laughs> They're not the same thing. Oh, no, that's why I said and a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, Yes. So at a few obscure interviews as well, uh, when mm. I was contracting, I had wanted an electricity company in Guildford, which had the most bizarre test I've ever come across. And um, I, I did it and they came in and said, what did you think of that test? And I thought, and I said to them, I said, I'll be really honest with you. It doesn't prove anything. It just proves that you <laughs> know a lot of stuff, not that you know how to use it. Yeah, it's a bit like knowing intricately the measurements of the ends of every type of PosiDrive drive screwdriver, but have no idea what to do with it. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't prove anything at all. And I had another one with a company that was, so this was pre-Oyster cards, but it was just on the cusp of it. And they produced systems that would measure journey time and stuff like that from, mm. from the cars that you were using. And they had a full underground station in the offices. Complete with a man working behind the counter. No very way. bizarre. Yeah, very weird. bizarre. But because they were also an engineering company, the, the test they gave you was full of stuff like Boyle's Law and all sorts of... I the the what? <laughs> so, again, did the best I could. Mm. And um, I don't know what happened with that. I think I got something else before they came back. Yeah, very odd. Very difficult thing to do on, on both sides, I think. Mm. And, I mean, you've experienced... And you've experienced the frustration of mm. sending CVs and applications and, and really not being heard. It's quite yeah, hard definitely. to get through the noise.
0: Especially when you get a big application that takes you, you put a lot of effort in, you change your CV, you change your cover letter, you send it off, and you hear absolutely nothing mm. until a little thing popped up from Indeed being like, it's been three weeks, they've to the next stage, <laughs> and you're like, great, thanks.
1: It's <laughs> uh, soul-destroying is is what I mm. would say. I don't know there's a lot of people out there
0: Struggling. Uh, Struggling.
1: And uh, we feel for you.
0: Mm, Definitely. Keep going. It took me three months, but I got there.
1: Now, Lippy, one of our favourite board games.
0: Absolute favourite.
1: Monopoly, where you can basically anger the rest of your family for Mm. very long periods of time. Yeah. Now, did you know it was invented in 1903, or the origins go back to 1903, That's quite a long time. It is quite a long time, isn't it? Mm. A lady called Lizzie Maggie. Mm. Yeah, it appears that she hand draw the board and played it like that for a while. And then apparently, and there's a little bit of mystery surrounding this and a bit of substitute, I I suspect. Uh, It was left at a gentleman friend's house called Charles Darrow, who eventually found it and then sold it to Parker Brothers, claiming that he had invented the game, which obviously he hadn't.
0: Oh, so
1: sneakery. Very sneaky, and apparently there is a book out about this, which should be quite yeah. interesting. Um, the, this uh, article on the Guardian lists her as a left-wing lady. For I don't know that's relevant at all. Monopoly is a game played at uh, quite sort of world championship level. It's, um, mm. it's it's not just a board game for Christmas and arguments. It is actually no, yeah, it's
0: a very tactical very board tactical.
1: game. And it's interesting. I did a little bit of research and looked at top ten tips for Monopoly. Mm-hmm. so i'm going to list them out now because some of them are quite interesting so straight oh, okay. from an episode of billions or suits is losing is not an option yes so that's a lot about mindset i suspect
0: the end game yeah. is to win yeah my number one tactic is to win
1: <laughs> yes absolutely yeah yeah well there's no doubt at all uh keep the cash flowing that's
0: mm.
1: quite clever really applies to uh, not only monopoly but um
0: business personal life <laughs>
1: absolutely yes
0: all aspects
1: all aspects of it. don't turn up your nose at the small fry
0: no so, love a good brown
1: absolutely so don't go straight for hotel on mayfair because you will win big but people don't land on that as much and we'll come no. on to that in a minute actually that's quite interesting later in the game a few long stretches in jail won't hurt and in fact i saw an interview with a Monopoly player Donkeys years ago, and he said his aim is to get lots of houses on properties and then go to jail. He said, because mm. you're not spending anything, and it costs cost you $50 to come out, but that's three goes where you're not landing on stuff, and other people are, and you're still taking money.
0: Did you just call it $50? I did. It's 50 Monopolies. Well, it's Monopoly money, so it's Monopolies.
1: Okay, 50 Monopolies then.
0: Thank you. But yeah, I actually very much agree with that. You're making money, you're not spending it.
1: Indeed, absolutely. Uh, That's not a recommendation for life, incidentally.
0: No, that is just for Monopoly.
1: (laughs) Just for Monopoly, yeah. So tip number five is build three houses on each street as soon as possible. Mm. That's obviously the sweet spot there.
0: That's when you start to get your, your money boosters.
1: That's right. And then there's a heat map here of the best properties to go to. Based on oh, all, can I guess? all sorts of statistics. Go on and have a guess.
0: I reckon the top one is orange.
1: Now, unfortunately, the heat map hasn't got the picture of the properties on it. <laughs> <laughs> Has it
0: got, like, free parking and things on it? Yeah,
1: so, so... You can work out,
0: roughly. Yeah,
1: so if you go to free parking, if you go two squares backwards... That's or orange. squares backwards, that's orange. That's orange. Yeah, yes! So, so those two, very, very good... Yeah. Uh, orange and then after free parking second one the after reds. is pretty good yeah mm,
0: the yeah. strand i think is the second one after
1: and the reason for that is is people going to jail mm, so because we'll, they jump the rest of the board well absolutely but you go to jail and then you're likely to try 7 mm. statistically that's the most likely yeah, number you're going to throw which will put you straight in in those two So, interesting Never buy utility or railway companies. Interesting one because I always quite like those.
0: Yeah, I think you get you, you get a nice little bit of money from them.
1: You do, but it's uh, they're saying throughout the whole game you have a measly three percent chance of earning money from them. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So avoid those. Uh, seven. Learn this heat map by heart. Yeah. I'll put the uh, link on.
0: No, that's just for me and you. Oh, we'll
1: okay. become, oh good point, actually. Yes. We'll
0: become grandmasters of Monopoly like they are in chess.
1: Yes, yeah. But the chances of our family listening to this podcast are pretty close to zero, so... True, that yeah. is true. Uh, number eight is try to get the orange streets.
0: Yeah, the orange ones are the best. Because they're a little bit more expensive, they're not too much more expensive, and then... Um, well,
1: it's the frequency of, people of which people them. will land on them the makes yeah, sorry, them... I meant
0: park profitable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Number nine is buy everything that's seven squares from your opponents.
0: Oh, but how can you necessarily do that? Well,
1: Unless you see, you're seven squares ahead. But I suppose if, you, if somebody goes in front of you and you're quite close together and mm. they land on A square and then you throw seven plus however far you are behind, yeah. then that's a good one to buy because statistically they're more likely to throw seven than any other combination. True. So they'll land on that one so it sort of makes sense but thats yeah. that's sort of quite ninja. Very in view.
0: very circumstantial
1: that one. Uh, well I think the opportunity presents itself fairly infrequently but it's it just makes it a little bit more tactical. Mm-hmm. Uh, then number 10, which is going to be impossible for you, say oh, no. nothing during the game.
0: <laughs> that's all I do is talk through the whole game.
1: Yes, so to take a page out of Harvey Specter, obviously one of the characters in Suits, mm. only speak, speak if you're asked a question. Otherwise, keep quiet, stay cool, and wear your best poker face. I don't face. have
0: a very good poker face either.
1: No, well, I, that's not, that's not the, uh, the least of the problems in that sentence. For you, is it? <laughs> so, uh, Monopoly is known as causing one or two arguments. It is. There is a, uh, a list, top ten list, of the arguments that Monopoly causes. So we'll just run through those very quickly. People making up rules.
0: We don't do this too much, I don't think.
1: I think the problem is, it's not so much people making up rules because there are family rules and we've Mm. always had fines go into the middle and if you land on free parking, you get get the pot, whatever Mm. that might be. And I think that's quite a common rule. I don't think that's particularly unusual.
0: And we don't do any of that auctioning nonsense.
1: Well, funny enough, I was looking at the rules and when you land on a square... Mm. It, although they're not squares, are they? They're rectangles. When you land on one, if you don't buy it, the bank is obliged to auction it.
0: Yeah, it's just that's faffy.
1: Well, it makes the game go quicker. But that, that's need the that. only thing. Oh, we don't need that, no That's very true. I don't think it's so much people making up rules, it's people thinking they know the rules and just splurting it out without actually checking. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it's not, it's people that think they know the rules rather than making them up. Yeah. Uh, Number two, which I think we've both suffered from, is people being too cocky when winning. Or
0: always.
1: Yeah, just a bit too smug.
0: Yeah, I tend to buy too many things and then I'm like, I have no money left and I've just landed on a big one.
1: Someone buying a property you want, even when they don't need it.
0: You do that a lot. I
1: do that a lot, but the word need in that sentence is interesting.
0: Because that is the point of the game, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And then you just don't sell it for anything.
1: Well, the you I have something you want. Well, yes, if you're blocking somebody else making a set, then mm. I think you do need it. I, I disagree with that one quite strongly. <laughs> uh, this one, people taking too long to take their turn.
0: I don't understand why it takes long. You roll the dice, you move your piece, and whatever you land on happens.
1: Yeah, but you know what happens? Six of you play, one of them is bound to have some sort of uh, D, so they're mm. not concentrating on the game. And yes. they don't, they forget it's their turn, and it comes around. And they're looking at the dice. Going, Who's go? Who's go is it? Oh, it's my go. And, and then they faff around. So there yes. is
0: one person in our family who has been brought to mind.
1: Absolutely, number five. Someone stealing from the bank. We and this is always is. the
0: same person. What is
1: two two people I've played with who've uh, well, yes, been but that.
0: personally in our family. The mother is not allowed to be in control of the bank because she steals.
1: Well, that's
0: accidentally.
1: That's the next one. Who gets to be the banker?
0: Mm. To be honest, it's normally Charlotte, isn't it? Yes. She, she likes does. being in control of the money, yeah. and she would never steal from no, the bank. No,
1: she wouldn't. No, no.
0: If she no. did it by accident, she would probably pay it back.
1: <laughs> Almost certainly, yes. Mm. She'd probably underpay herself more than anything. Yeah. Uh, next one is somebody deliberately miscounting their move. I do that a bit, but not deliberately. It's just mm. inability to count more than yeah. anything else. I don't
0: think I've done
1: that. I quite like maths. Yeah. Well, yes. Number eight, the property auction process, which we just said we don't really do. We yeah, so. do. Yeah. yeah. Number nine is the choice over tokens.
0: That's not normally an argument. Uh, to be if, fair. I, if I'm not
1: the car, I get quite upset.
0: Yeah, but everyone just lets you be the car, and I don't really care who I am.
1: That's because I get quite upset.
0: (laughs) Yeah, true. I'm going to be the car next time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get there first. I'm going to take it.
1: I'm not going to play then. (laughs) And number ten is what the rules of free parking are. So we're back uh, back to that one again. Yeah. So if you're playing Monopoly this Christmas, and you get into a bit of an argument... There is help available, or at least there was in 2016. I don't know if it's still available, but Monopoly launched a helpline that ran from Christmas Eve to Boxing Day, no. And the idea was, yes, it would mediate family arguments caused by the game.
0: That's so funny.
1: Yeah, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, you
0: can imagine, though, there are some families where it starts as a Monopoly argument and then it escalates and there's all sorts of drama going on, divorces and- well, beatings. I,
1: have, I have had a phone call on a Saturday night from one of the players that previously had raided the bank asking about clarification on a rule in Monopoly, <laughs> which was a bit odd. Yes. I, I think there may have be been a little bit of alcohol involved in that uh, conversation. Most and likely. Yes. So if you are playing Monopoly over, the, over Christmas, just do, do keep it safe. And mm. Do keep to the rules. Yes. So, Dippy, have you got a top tip for us this week?
0: I do. My top tip is for all those parents out there who are struggling at the moment with excited children who are being a bit naughty. I think they've just broken up from school or about to break up from school. You've got the dreaded few weeks of the Christmas excitement. So my top tip is wrap empty boxes as presents and when the children misbehave, throw them in the fire.
1: That is very cruel.
0: It's like a scaled-up elf on the shelf. The kids are used to that now. They know that's just a game, the boxes. The presents being burnt is a whole new level that they will not be expecting. And I bet you those kids are going to be so well-behaved after a
1: present is thrown in the fire. Could you explain the elf on the shelf, then? So the elf on the
0: shelf, he's meant to watch, be watching, isn't he, all the time. Oh, he's Santa's little helper. He watches the children all the time. And then it's a bit of a naughty elf, so... He does like little things in the night, and every day the kids come down and he's done something. Ah,
1: okay. I saw a photo on, uh, I think it might have been Facebook, I can't remember, Mm. where a a mother had arranged a set of small chicken bones in the shape of one of those elves on the shelves, (laughs) saying that that they. (laughs) Yeah, and the the poor child was absolutely distraught. distraught, Yeah, Yeah, just so upset about the whole thing. Which, Mm. as a parent, you do these things and regret it horribly afterwards. But uh, (laughs) I, it was a mixture of um, mirth and sadness there. Mm. Yeah, they uh, also,
0: if you Google "adult Elf on the Shelf," there are some hilarious photos. That where adults have bought them and put them into compromising positions I doing some very funny things. So yes. if you want a good giggle, Google that.
1: Yes, I have a friend of mine who has a tendency to do that in, um, in department stores with various <laughs> objects. But um, yes, you know who you are. <laughs> well, after last week's stunning grumpy facts, which I did do a little bit more research on, and it does appear to be true, Mm-hmm. with Dennis the Menace, and um, I thought we'd go for something a little uh, little more sensible this this week. So Grumpy's fact of the week is, puff adders can switch off their own smell, so predators can't locate them. What's Only a puff is, Well, I thought it was a rap star, but that's puff daddy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So when I found this, I thought, oh, that's interesting.
0: How you a, turn off your own
1: and b- then realise, of course, it's, it's some sort of snake, which are not uh, my favourite creatures. To be honest, they they yeah. do well terrify me for, for reasons because they yeah. move without legs. I think yeah. that's the thing. But your worms don't terrify me? So don't Surely
0: you would it. just live with no smell. Uh, Why would you well, turn it? You'll just keep it
1: off. Well, maybe if you needed to attract a mate, maybe or you, you just need...
0: turn it on then and then turn it back off
1: again. So default setting should be off. Yeah,
0: you and turn this... it on yeah. rather than turn it
1: off. You think that would be safer, wouldn't it? Mm. Even if you're marking territory, we're supposed to to send it on, but I wonder how they do it as well. There's a little switch somewhere.
0: might Google it. There must be a nature programme
1: on it. Oh, there's bound to be. Bound to be. There's loads on. Different. National Geographic, it's astonishing.
0: Mm. Tiny World is a good one. Is that you the kind of Disney gone ride? Gone a bit off topic there.
1: Is that the Disney ride? No. Oh, no, it's a small world, yes. It's a different thing entirely. So that's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I would like to thank our sponsors, however we don't have any. If you're enjoying our rambling podcast and can spare a few pennies to help with our hosting costs, please head over to patreon.com forward slash lippyandgrumpy and also leave a good review or a bad one. If you have a topic you'd like covered, please leave us a message via our website lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me.
0: And goodbye from him.
1: Goodbye!